0: Welcome back into another episode of the Owen Show. I'm Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt. Tim, how you doing today?
1: Good man, ready to ready to rock and roll today.
0: Let's get after it. We're gonna hop straight into it. We got some extra stuff to talk about it today, so we're gonna hop straight into our recap. What game do you want to talk about first?
1: Uh, we're gonna talk about Chargers Browns first. Um, <laughs> trying to trying to get the game in front of me here, and ESPN's being slow. Sorry. Um, kind of an oddly close game. Um, uh-huh there there's been some feelings going on. Um, I, and, and I kind of feel this way too, where the chargers are underperforming and Cleveland is overperforming at this point, right? Like, percent, yeah. um, Jacoby Brissett has looked serviceable. You know what I mean? He hasn't looked great or anything, but he hasn't yeah. looked bad. Um, which is, that run, running, which is, what which I is, expected. yeah. And that run game, man looks almost unstoppable. Um, Nick Chubbs having himself a year cream hunt is still definitely probably the best second running back in the league right now. Yeah. easily. Um, But for once the chargers clutched up in a close game, Um,
0: I think the first time they've ever been lucky enough to win a close game instead of losing it.
1: Yeah. Going down 27 to 28 into the fourth quarter and they come out with a, I mean, a narrow, narrow win, but a win nonetheless. So yeah, I, uh, I I'm finally I'm happy that they finally won a close one because it feels like they never do. Mm. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is this Chargers defense has been disappointing. Yeah, um, bad, bad. What, like were they thirtieth in the league right now? Thirty first. Yeah, or something like that? really, really, really. Yeah, something like that. I, I now you're gonna make me look it up, but um, they have been extremely disappointing. Um, I thought adding J.C. Jackson, adding Cleo Mack was gonna be the steps to kind of take that next step. And boy, have they been, it's gone the opposite way. Really? Like yeah. the defense is regressed. So, I mean, they weren't great last year either. That's the no. bad thing. Um, oh, they're not as bad as we're getting. Oh God. They're, they're like, Oh, we're, we're, we're dogging on them way too hard. Really? I yeah, I thought yardage, they were like 30th in the league. No yardage. They're, they're actually, I believe, uh, where the hell do they go? Oh, am I like losing my mind? Oh yeah, yardage—they're actually the fifth best team in the league.
0: Is that true? I could have sworn that I saw. I know fantasy. Oh, I have them in a couple just, leagues, and they're okay. crossing
1: the games. J- just kidding. Sorry. I was looking at a. I was looking at a offense, not defense. There, mm, so there you go. That'll, that'll do sick. it. In defense, yeah, they're a bottom ten team. So yeah. they're. I think they're like twenty second, something like that. So yeah, not not good at all for sure.
0: Not when you have an all-pro. It's, I think what Joey Bosa's missed a couple games along the way. But still, I mean, they have not only a pro bowler, but basically an all-pro at um, on the D-line. They have t- two all-pros in the secondary and an all-pro that's going to be back on the field at the other defensive end spot here soon as well. So and then He's on a
1: car s- for, a, for a little bit, but yeah, he'll be back out there eventually. Yeah. Back,
0: yeah. And then Bryce Callahan's one of the best slot corners in the game. Like, this secondary should be one of, if not the best in the league. Like, they just have a guy at every spot, except for their second safety spot. I'm not ho- sure off the top of my head who their second safety is behind Derwin James, but like JC Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr. had a really good rookie last year. And then Bryce Callahan, like I said, super underrated slot corners, one of the better slot guys in the game. So they have underperformed but like you said this is one of the games that you look back when they're trying to decide the wild card seedings and we're looking at if they could possibly be division champs like this winning this game could be huge yeah. for them down the stretch being a, a 38 a 30 to 28 win versus a 30 to 28 loss you know
1: Yeah I mean it overall this this game could matter in the long run I absolutely agree um and yeah I mean for Cleveland I think this team's going to be really good Long as Deshaun Watson is what we think Deshaun Watson is like this team might be very scary. There's a good chance that 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 team is going to be dangerous. Um, I've
0: been a a very large Nick Chubb supporter for a long time. I do think he was one of the most underrated backs in the league for a long time. I I would say probably a year or so ago, I, I felt like he was a better pure runner of the football than Derrick Henry was. Um because you see Derrick Henry get 200 yards on like 35 carries, but Nick Chubb will go get you 150 on half, you know, like on 12. So he had yeah. 134 on 17 tonight. So you don't have to feed him the rock to give him yards. He's going to break one very good around the goal line. It just He just does the job, you know. Whereas like if Derrick Henry's in this offense with Deshaun Watson's back, you don't want to hand the ball off 30 times a game. It's just not really to one guy. It's not a sustainable thing when you have a pro bowl level quarter and all pro level quarterback on a fully guaranteed contract. You want to be able to throw the ball. So a guy that's going to get you more per carry versus total yards is much more beneficial. He's doing it right now. I'm curious to see how that meshes when Deshaun gets back too.
1: Yeah. Next game we're going to talk about is the Eagles versus Cardinals. Um, a close game for sure but uh yep. the eagles remain victorious here um the biggest takeaway that i have is this this looked like the most tame version of the eagles offense that we've seen yeah um but the thing i'll say is this defense is so good and it's going to put them in spots where even when the offense is having an off night that it's they're going to take care of it right like mm-hmm. The reason that I look at the Eagles and and I love this team more and more, if you look at it, uh, second most yards out of any offense, um, they, Ooh, excuse me. The fourth best defense, uh, yards allowed. So they're crushing it. Great defense, great offense. The biggest thing for me is their turnover turnover differential. They currently have a turnover turnover differential of nine at the moment. Yeah. Um, so that's a team that's taken away the ball and a team that's, you know, not giving not the giving ball away. away. Yeah. yeah. And those are the two things that in a close game, you know, really where it's going to matter. So.
0: 100%. I think they did such a good job in the off season of just getting, like, they know, they knew what type of defense they ran. And they're like, we're just going to go get guys that are going to let us do what we want to do on the defense side of the ball. Like a lot of people, we're happy with the Jordan Davis pick. A lot of people were kind of, you know, I don't know, you picked a big run stopping. If he develops into a pass rusher, obviously this guy's going to be generational, but it's a big if, right? Other than that, you're taking a run stopping DT at, at pick 14. Not a lot of people were super sold on it, but what it allows them to do is stay in those three and four man fronts and those three and four man rushes where they have enough weight to stop the run and they could sit back and drop eight or seven guys into coverage every play and feel Perfectly fine stopping the run, and they've got the guys to stop the pass as well. Um, I know it's it's a broken record every single time we talk about this defense, but the ads that they made this offseason, man, like if, if you're an NFL fan, I think you are ecstatic with one of the ads that they made in the offseason on the defensive side of the ball, and they made three great ones with Bradbury Davis and Hassan Renick, obviously, as well. They yeah. just to, to pair with Darius Slay and the guys that they have, the veteran leadership they have on that D-line is absolutely ridiculous. So just another close win for the Eagles. They got Sunday night football coming up. We'll talk about the game later, later on, but they're, they're rolling right now. They're the best team in the NFC and probably the best team in the league right now.
1: So yeah, they're, they're going to be a a force to be reckoned with here. Um, Next game we got is Cowboys versus Rams. Mm. Um, I mean, the Cooper rush show continues here, right? Like um, I, I think this is a tale of two sides. One, I think, Dallas is learning what they have to do to win, right? They have to be a team that runs the ball a lot. Um, And I hope they know that that's true beyond um, when Cooper rushes their quarterback. But I think in my opinion, you know, without, you know, having stats to back it up necessarily, I I think the Cowboys defense is by far and away the best defense in the league. And I know, I know the paper doesn't always, you know, back that stat, but man, do they just have that is there
0: for that though. That's the thing. And that's what matters at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Like they are just so unstoppable. I mean, they get to the pat, they, they force turnovers. They get to the quarterback. They do a lot of things really, really, really well. Every time I watch this, man, I know the Rams have been struggling on offense as it is, but they look just unbearable, like unmatched against the unmatched against the Rams. And, you know, and Cooper Rush has been serviceable. You know, he hasn't. I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, him being the star and, you know, taking Dak's job and everything like that. No, he hasn't looked special. You know what I mean? Like,
0: no, he, he had two passing yards in this game.
1: Yeah. He only threw the ball 16 times. Like they yeah. pounded the rock here. And for the way that this team is going to win is that defense is going to just destroy everybody. Right. And they're going to own time of possession and run the ball and eat up a lot of time. And I think that's how they win the games really.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing to do as long as that defense is performing, it'll be a recipe for success. Right now, when that defense has an off night, your, your, your offense is going to have to kick it up. You're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. The only thing, the only hole I can really poke in the Cowboys right now is that I, I wish I was seeing more creativity from the offense a bit. Like, like as much as you know, I could sing praise about what they're doing right now. Like I feel like CD Lamb on some jet sweeps, some RPO stuff. Like, and it's yeah. Mike McCarthy. It's never going to happen, right? Because it's it's Mike McCarthy. He runs one of the most boring offenses in the game. They decided that Jason Garrett's offense got stale, and they wanted a new guy, and they went and got a guy that got canned because his offense is boring. So. Yeah, it, that's the only thing that I can really poke right now is that they haven't been super creative, but they're winning football games, and that's what matters at the end of the day. Um, yeah, The Rams are still reeling from the Super Bowl hangover at this point. Um, the offensive line is is the problem for the Rams, and I think if you don't have a top-tier offensive line, the Cowboys were going to be able to do whatever they want to you on the defensive side of the football. They lost Randy Gregory, and their pass rush got better. I mean, Micah Parsons is is unworldly. DeMarcus Lawrence is healthy um, and and making big plays on that defensive line. They are just, they're playing winning football right now. I mean, that's just the bottom line of the, of the matter on the flip side for the Rams. I mean, it's kind of the same issue that um, I had a team in my head that was just struggling offensively, but they can't get the run. Oh, Indy, Indianapolis. Mm Like it's the offense, right? Because it's the offensive line because they can't clear any run lanes for Henderson or Akers and they can't keep Matthew Stafford upright. They can't keep Matt Ryan upright. You know, it's, it's kind of the, been the same thing for those two teams so far. Stafford was sacked five times in this game and they're, it's one of those things where like people think the Rams are going to be able to turn this around, but it's not, you know, a weapon thing, right? Like you get weapons back or, you know, guys have big games, but like if your offensive line can't, can't hold up or clear holes, that's, there's not really a, a time where you're like, man, the, that guy struggled or that offensive line struggled. Now they're a top five, you know, thing by the end of the year. It's not a thing that usually happens. So the Rams have got some work to do and I think it all starts up front for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, losing Andrew Whitler to retirement has uh, has played a bigger role than than we've probably realized. So
0: yeah, they lost a couple guys to free agency, and they've lost a couple guys to injury along the way too. So it's uh, it's been a rough go of things for Stafford and that and that offense. But they are well coached. They have a great offensive coach. So I mean, if there's a guy that can work around having a bottom five, bottom ten offensive line, it's, it is Sean McVay. So we'll see what happens with the Rams. But it, it hasn't looked good through five games.
1: No, it has not. Uh, next game we got is Bengals versus Ravens. Uh, Bengals sneak out another another close one here. Um, I mean, really, this this was kind of shocking to me on, on how mundane both these offenses kind of looked in this game.
0: I kind of knew that this was going to be this is this is the the traditional AFC North division game. Like this is just kind of how things in this division have went. I, I guarantee you that. When you see the Steelers play either of these two teams, like it'll be it's still gonna be a close game. Like that's just how the AFC North is. Every game's a dog fight when these teams play each other in the division. Um, they all obviously you're gonna know each other well, but it's you're gonna get the best out of both teams. And I think Baltimore was finally happy to have the ball in their hands as the clock expired versus the other way around where it's been three score leads. They can't get off the field and they don't have the ball in the final possession and they lose versus this time they were able to actually have the ball Um, to, I kind of knew the game was over. Like when two minute warning hits the Bengals got first or second in goal from the two yard line. And Joe Burrow comes out and immediately runs a quarterback sneak for a touchdown. I was like, well, game's over. I was like, Baltimore wins this one pretty, pretty handily. Like, there's a 50-50 shot, right? That they, that Lamar Jackson and that offense couldn't get into field goal range. But I I think the Bengals' fatal mistake was leaving way too much time on the clock with the best kicker in the game on the other sideline. I mean, that's just something that you can't do. Like, when the game's going to be decided by a field goal, you can't let Baltimore have time to get into field goal range. It's not you got to you got to run a power o that gets stuffed at the at the line of scrimmage. Tell Joe Mixon, hey man, don't run this in. Like we yeah. got to run another 40 seconds off here and then Joe will get the QB sneak in for the touchdown. Because if we if we leave this as, you know, a one point game, we know that number 9 in purple is going to go win the game on the other side of the field.
1: Yeah. I I the biggest takeaway I had from this game, I was I was disappointed in Lamar throwing the ball. Um Yeah. He had shown, he had shown some signs of progressing this year and looking like, you know, a better thrower than, I mean, maybe, maybe it's always been there and I just haven't noticed it. But this year I felt like he was really kind of zinging it and he would always have a couple throws where you're just like, man, that's a bad throw. You know what I mean? Just a Mm -hmm. real bad throw, but man, he couldn't get anything going against the Cincinnati defense where I was like, I figured he would, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think the two overthrows on that same position, that same drive were really bad. Uh, obviously the one on fourth down. He had Tylan Wallace had a 10 yard gap. And I think, I think he got a little confused. I think he thought he was going to Devin Duvernay again. So he put it out there a little bit farther. Duvernay is definitely a faster guy than Tylan Wallace is. Um, But the, yeah, I would agree it there. The two overthrows were bad. And also I think he was trying to make a little bit too much happen. There's yeah. a couple times where he would roll out of the pocket and he'd wait all the way to the sideline to get the ball out of his hands. And I'm like, he was still good in the pocket, but he there were there were moments where I was like, please just like take the throw away. Let's get, you know, let's let's keep the drive moving. The pick was was kind of bad. He sailed that one as well. But there was, there was pluses and minuses. Uh JK Dobbins ran the ball really well. Uh Kenya Drake had a somewhat decent game. So and the thing I really love for Baltimore is they got creative. Like I, mm-hmm. I watch San Francisco play every week. And I get so envious of watching Devo Samuel because I know he would absolutely tear it up in Baltimore. It's the perfect receiver to to put on a Ravens jersey. And I was like, man, I just wish – like, we don't have a guy that's built like Devo Samuel. could probably do the things he could do, but it doesn't mean we can't run some of that stuff. Here comes Devin Duvernay. Gets three carries for 24 yards. Had a couple jet sweeps across. He had a huge game. Not a huge game, but a, a great game compared yeah. to normal. You know, he went from a guy that was an all-pro kicker turner to a guy that had three carries, five catches for – about 100 total yards um, just in the offense alone. So uh, there's things that both teams could work on for sure, but it was, a, it was a good game. I had It was fun watching. It was fun to be able to finally sit down on a Sunday night, not have to try to s- stream my game from an illegal website. I just sit down Sunday night football and just watch my team play. It was, it was a good game. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. No, I, I'm impressed. Devin DuVernay uh, is developing nicely into the second option behind Mark Andrews, which is good. Uh, cuz mm. the ravens definitely need that. We'll see if that'll be a sustained success kind of thing. Yeah, they just
0: got to get Rashad Bateman back healthy and they'll be in a decent spot going forward, but it was uh without having your your number 1 wide receiver, obviously your second option in the past game behind Mark Andrews, I think uh they did okay.
1: Uh last game we're going to talk about uh Ravens or excuse me, Raiders versus Chiefs here. Mm. Um s- little Sunday night action. Um or Monday night action, excuse me. Um I was not able to watch. I was playing softball, so I was we were listening to it on the radio as as the game was going on there. Um pretty explosive. It started off slow, but uh, then it then the fireworks started to hit and it got yeah. kinda entertaining there.
0: Yeah, I mean was seventeen nothing lead for for Vegas at one point. Um they were up uh twenty to ten at half and it just all Casey in the second, man that yeah and I think the biggest thing my biggest takeaway was this Chiefs defense has been great man like they're the best run defense in the league right now per yards I think they're third third in the league for run yards rush yards allowed which I mean obviously you'd rather be really good against the pass and really good against the run but it it can kinda I mean if you could turn a team one dimensional it, it becomes easier to stop the pass right that's pretty pretty simple math there and they went out, didn't let the the Raiders get into the end zone. Or no, they did in the in the second half. Did they? And then they missed the two point conversion. I think
1: uh, the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah,
0: because they. Yeah, that was the big analytics call. Uh, Josh McDaniels going for two to to take a one point yeah. lead. But I mean, you only allow nine points in the second half. After after allowing twenty in the first, I, I don't think any defensive coordinator, or head coach, is going to turn their nose up at that at all. It's great halftime adjustments. And the defense is playing extremely well. And it this game, the offense had to go and score 30. But if they can get a full ha- a full game of what they did in the second half, this offense doesn't have to go out and score 30 every night, right? They can go out and score two, three touchdowns and, and, and call it a game, you know, or go score four or five and win by two or three, you know? Yeah. So the Chiefs defense has been really good. Patrick Mahomes is as good as advertised per usual. Just uh, another gutsy come from behind win for KC, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, obviously if you're the Raiders, you're disappointed, right. To, to play this team so well and keep it so close, but it, uh, it's going to take some work here. Like, uh, they obviously have some bigger problems than we realized, and it's going to take some, some time to turn around this ship potentially.
0: Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to talk about any roughing the passer calls at all? There's some bad ones this weekend. Do you think we got time with our, with our, a couple added segments or what do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we can, we can talk about the roughing the passer calls, um, I mean, oh yeah, we'll throw it into headlines. We might as well, right? Yeah. Um, the here's my biggest takeaway from from all these roughing the passer calls. Right? Um, I think the one with Tom Brady looks the worst. Is the thing I'll say? Uh, yeah. Because the fact he got up and was like, "Where's the flag?" and then the ref shaking his head, um, yeah. and then throwing the flag, I didn't think was was a good look in particular. In my opinion, I think it's an overreaction. To what has happened to Tua? Because um, yeah. obviously we're going to react the worst to quarterbacks getting injured. Yeah. So this is this is the refs in the NFL kind of, you know, reacting to that happening and then trying to be on the preventive end going forward with with injuries when it comes to quarterbacks and you know head injuries and that. So um, I'm not super worried about it. I think it'll kind of self correct over time. But you can share any thoughts that you have.
0: Yeah, I mean the the bottom line is I think. It, if it didn't cost Atlanta that game, it cost them a, a chance, right? Like it put the Buccaneers in the field goal range. They were able to go on and win that game after that call that that strip sack, obviously Casey ended up with the win, but that was a huge pivotal moment. They're kind of getting beat down in the first half. Chris, Chris Jones gets that strip sack, uh, gets overturned with roughing the passer there. Um, Baltimore had a bad one from the same ref actually. Uh, last week that put uh, Buffalo into field goal range to end up winning that game. I think my biggest thing is like, I don't, I honestly don't mind the calls because I agree. Like you have to protect the quarterbacks because nobody wants to sit here and watch Brian Hoyer and Jacoby Brissett go at it for four quarters. I would rather watch at least, you know, Mac Jones and Deshaun Watson as a better matchup. You know, um, I don't need to see Skylar Thompson <laughs> as a starting quarterback for the Miami no. Dolphins. I think my biggest thing, Is, I mean, now correct me if I'm wrong, for targeting, like, anytime targeting is called, it's a reviewed play, right? They're trying to see what the intent is and whether that player, because that's a big thing. Yeah. It's thrown out of the game and possibly suspended for another. In my opinion, I think roughing the passer calls should be reviewed um, if there's any type of 50-50 on it. I mean, I don't feel like there's 10 of them getting called a game where it's going to slow down the game a ton. Because when you watch that one back of Grady Jarrett in full speed, if I'm standing there on the field watching Grady Jarrett sack Tom Brady, you could kind of be like, okay, he kind of threw him to the ground. Tom hit his head. There's I could see why the call, why the why the flag was thrown in the first place, right? Right. But when you watch it back, I mean, if Grady Jarrett's bending the corner like he is coming off the left tackle full speed, and it's either sack Tom Brady the way he did or overrun it and not get the sack Tom Brady possibly gets a completion downfield. I would rather take the sack. There was no intent there. That was just the way that the play developed. It's the way it happened. When you have as good of athletes as we have, obviously it's a, this is a different scenario, but we have guys that are running 20, 22 miles an hour down the field in these games. Grady Jarrett's coming off the line with some speed and some power coming, bending the edge off, off, a off Tristan Wirfs would be the left tackle for the, for the Buccaneers. I mean, that's a, that's an all pro left tackle for, I mean, there's nothing Grady Jarrett could have done, right? There was no intent there. Now, when you watch the one where Tua got spun down, the one that sent him to IR with the or not IR, but the the big concussion, the the scary one, like that one, you're like, okay, that kind of looked. There may not have been any malicious intent, but there was no need to throw Tua to the ground the way that they did in that play, right? Yeah, that's the one I, I can throw, and I feel confident. Whereas the, when you watch the slow-mo replay, you're like, there's not a damn thing Grady Jarrett could have done any differently than what he did to Tom Brady on that
1: sack. Yeah. I mean, the thing I'll say is I agree with you, right? That, that, that Grady Jarrett one is an easy mistake to make, right? Like I, I think that one's understandable. We can't review every penalty like that, right? Like, yeah, that's fair. I, I just think, uh, when it comes to pressuring the quarterback and getting after the quarterback, it's just gonna have to change the way that they're coached. Like, I we can't review it, right? Like, it's only it's gonna slow the game down so much because you know it, it, there's potential that half the sacks that happen in a game, you know what I mean, are gonna be reviewed. So, um, I don't know what the perfect answer is, but. I, uh, I don't know if review is, is the exact way to go about it, because targeting is so much harder. You know what I mean? That That's such a more rare call that you get. It that, is. You know, yeah,
0: 100 percent.
1: You're not going to see that at, as much as you are going to see, like, you know, roughing the passer call. But I think it's really emphasizing driving him into the ground, the throwing of the quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to have to be a clean tackle. And I think there's going to be times where maybe a pass rusher used to be able to get a sack and get their hands on them, where they're going to have to evaluate, hey, can I actually get my hands on them and not, you know what I mean? And not drive them to the ground or have to throw them in order to get them down. Um, And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I just think that's the reality of what it is. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. and I think maybe, you know, maybe we go to within two minutes, they're reviewed or coaches can challenge it if, which is. The thing that I hate is that it's. Nah, it's
1: it'll it'll it's never become, be challenged.
0: It's become such a. It's up to the ref's discretion, which is. It's, you know, like sometimes it has to be what it is. But at the same time, it just. You have these refs where, like, Jerome Borger got roasted this weekend. Because, like I said, he had a bad one last week. He had the Grady Jarrett call this week. And it's like. And, and the way that the Tom Brady one happened, like you said, right? He gets up looking for the flag. The ref shakes his head. Then the flag comes in. Like, that's, come on. Yeah. Like that's not,
1: it, no, it's a bad look. That, yeah, that can't it can't happen. happen. Like that. Things
0: like that can't happen because that, that affected the outcome of the game. At least, if nothing else, it affected Atlanta's chances of winning the game. I'm not saying yeah. that Atlanta shuts the door and wins the game 100% of the time if that flag doesn't come in. But it definitely didn't fucking help him at all, right? And. Especially if you're Atlanta, where they're at in their season, they have a chance to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, who are still a Super Bowl contending team, and in a tough division game. And it kind of just got yanked away from him from a from a call that was. It basically the call was coerced from Tom Brady asking for a flag. Like, flag, yeah, that's, not a good that, look. Yeah, that one's tough.
1: All right, I think we to kind of keep this moving. We're going to have to move on here. Um, next headline we got. Matt rule fired. Uh, I, my initial reaction is what a weird time to fire your head coach. Um, I understand that maybe they weren't happy with the product on the field and they didn't feel like it was, you know, super good. Firing him now doesn't make a ton of sense to me personally. Um, Mm -hmm. you're so early on in that season that, I mean, who knows they could have turned around and got hot, you know, win five games in a row or something like that. But, the, the timing's a little off to me, is my biggest opinion. Baker Mayfield has not looked good. Um, no. We have not seen, you know, Matt Rule, the offensive kind of guru guy. Um, that has not really shown through in the NFL. Um, Shocker, uh, offensive college coach, comes into the NFL and struggles right away. Wow. who? I did not. We haven't seen that happen about 25 times now. Yeah. Um, like, It's kind of the same story there. I don't understand the reason of firing now. Um, I I mean, the only reason that I can think of in my mind is if they genuinely want to make Steve Wilkes the next head coach of this team.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, I would agree. Like they have a, a decent head coaching candidate in house at that point, um, would be the only thing that you could kind of look at. Um, I think the, the, the kick in the nuts for, for, um, for rule on his way out was that they were going to ride the season out and they're going to see what he did unless they felt like the effort wasn't there or the product was just unbearable. And that's kind of rough to hear as a head coach. You're like, Hey man, you can keep your job as long as we feel like it doesn't reach this really low bottom level. And through five games, they were like, yeah, all right, this is, this is awful. (laughs) Like
1: it's when in reality,
0: when they've lost, they lost by two, two to cleveland they lost by three to the giants they beat the saints they lost by 10 to arizona and they kind of did get curb stomped by san francisco a bit so it hasn't really been i mean a, a touchdown and a field goal makes them three and two at this point you yeah know? so if you're if you're just looking at the brass tacks of the of the of the numbers i think the biggest thing for me when you look at matt rule again like you have a healthy christian mccaffrey man like and i get you know maybe you don't want to offload 90% of the workload right to him right away you're trying to keep him healthy for the year but this is a guy that has has had a season almost two seasons of having a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards and he hasn't really been super great so far this year I think he's like 17th in the league in rushing yards he's like 14th in carries and I his his receiving numbers haven't been great either so I think that was the biggest thing for me is like when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey that can do the things that he can do, you've got to get him the ball a little bit more. And they started to get him the ball a little bit more these last two games. And I don't know, I'm not super surprised by it. Again, like you said, the timing is a little weird of it, but we kind of knew he was going to be on the hot seat coming into the season. So
1: yeah, there wasn't there was no shock of that. I mean, and, and there isn't a lack of offensive talent here, right? Like there not at is all. some. There's some guys on this team who have been really good. I mean, Robbie Anderson is a solid number two receiver. DJ yeah. Moore has had some really good season. Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Baker Mayfield has played at a high level before. Yeah. And now you look at it and you're like, wait a minute. Why? Like, why do they struggle so much? Like, and we why have is it?
0: A, we have an offensive head coach.
1: Yeah. Like, like it, it's bad.
0: Yeah. You can't, you can't sit here and, and make excuses all day when you have, I mean, DJ Moore is like the cow Pitts of receivers last year. I mean, I think he finished yeah. like 15th in fantasy. And I think he had two touchdowns on the year. So like he was, you know, you're like, well, th- you can only go up, right? You can't finish the year with less touchdowns than two really. Like, and here we are and we're five games in and it's possible still at this point, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Not the, the timing is surprising, but the firing itself is not.
1: Yeah. Um, let's talk about OBJ a little bit. Um, where do you think, uh, where do you think OBJ ends up?
0: That's a tough one.
1: Um, especially with the the headline coming out saying that, you know, if LA wanted me, I'd be in LA, you know, they haven't offered me anything more than the bare minimum. And, uh, and I was, you know, a little shocked by that, you know, because, uh, Guy won him a Super Bowl and, and I, you know, I I very rarely say like, oh, they owe this guy. I mean, they owed him a year contract, I would argue. Yeah. You, know what, you know what I mean? Like a, a one year, ten million dollar deal or so, you know, something along those lines. Like yeah. nothing nothing crazy, but to, to offer that guy a minimum after he tore his ACL for you and you guys won a Super Bowl, and you're probably not winning that Super Bowl without him, right? Like No. Um You may not it, get it, to the Super Bowl without him. You might yeah, exactly. So that was a little uh a little disheartening. So in my mind, I can't. I can't see him going to LA at this point. Like I think I LA either, m- yeah. might might be out. So I'm kind of intrigued to see. Where do you think he ultimately winds up?
0: I don't know. Obviously, I'd love to have him in Baltimore. I think scheme wise, it's a horrible fit. Um, I don't think he probably wants to be the wide receiver one in a run heavy offense. He experienced that in Cleveland. He wasn't a fan of it. Um, I do think Baltimore could get a little bit more creative than Cleveland was, and get him. The, you know, the RPO they they run a lot of that that mid level stuff where they can get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage and let him make plays because that's what he does best. Like, you don't need him to run fifty yards down the field or run a slant or run a post to get to be effective. You just get the ball in his hands; he's going to be effective, right? Right. That's, he's a playmaker with the ball in his hands. I mean, and Baltimore will put the ball in his hands more than just running routes, right? Um, I don't know where the best fit is to be honest with you. Cause I like is green Bay obviously is in need of a number one wide receiver. OBJ feels like a kind of guy that doesn't want to play in, in green Bay come playoff time. He doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a guy's like, yeah, I'd sign up to play in negative 10 degree weather. Just, he feels like a Cali, an indoor kind of guy, not definitely
1: not braving the colds of green Bay. So we we say this, but he did play in New York in the playoffs. True. Um, so it's not like he's you know unable to play in the cold. He might not enjoy it. Might not be his first choice. Yeah, but it's, he's
0: definitely not unable to. It just definitely doesn't feel like he's like yeah, I'd sign up to play
1: there. You know. I I think I think Buffalo is is going to be the team that makes the most sense in the long run for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you step into that offense, you become. You're not the number one guy, right? Like in Green no. Bay or some of these other he's probably the maybe the second or third choice. You know what I mean? There's I gonna be the, games.
0: I think it's just like LA. He's the he's the decided number two, in my opinion, because Gabe Davis has had his couple games here and there, but Odell Beckham Jr. is easily the number two option in that offense, in my opinion. I think yeah. it would fit. It was just like LA last year, where like he comes in, he's not gonna be the one. He's gonna be the decided two, he's not gonna get lost in the offense at all. Whereas like he goes to KC and it's like I'm not saying he's going to get lost amongst MVS and Sky Moore and their receiver room at all, but Travis Kelsey's there and they're, they've been spreading the yeah. ball around a little bit more. So I feel like he does get lost in the, in the whole grand scheme of things there.
1: I still, I really like him. I, I think Casey is, is a cool fit. It's an interesting fit, but mm-hmm. like they already have guys who are OBJ esque they're not obviously all of OBJ. Talent. You know what I mean? They're not the yeah. talent level of OBJ, but they do, you know, Nicole Hardman's a guy that you you just get the ball in his hands and he's going to try to make plays. You know what I mean? And,
0: Minnesota yeah, Beckham Juniors, yeah, haven't.
1: like they have a lot of guys similar to him. So I don't know if if he fits that offense super well. I think there's a you know what I mean. I don't I don't think it's crazy. You know what I mean? Um, I think an underrated option. Um, if the Colts can turn around the season and look decent by the time OBJ is healthy. I think he could be a really good fit in there. You play indoors, you know, you you get a lot of time inside a dome. Um, and that offense just needs help, needs a lot, a lot of help. They need
0: playmakers is what they, and that's like we said, it's exactly what he is, right? Like Michael Pittman Jr. is great, right? Uh, Paris, Paris Campbell is great when he's healthy, right? But the run game is awesome, but they don't have a guy that's going to go out and, make a difference with the ball in his hands outside of Jonathan Taylor. Right. Michael right. Pittman's the big guy over the middle, big play, you know, the spectacular catches on the sideline down the field, big body guy, Mike Evans type. Right. But there is a, there's a different level with what Odell can bring my underrated pick at this point. Again, it's another team that needs to kind of turn it around a bit. Vegas. Um,
1: mm, I think it'd be a good fit.
0: He, he thought about pairing up with Devonte Adams in the long run last year, ended up going to LA instead of green Bay. Uh, Darren Waller hasn't been super healthy this year. He hasn't been able to, to stay on the field, let alone be great. Like we know he can be Hunter Renfro is still very good and does his things. But I think adding another weapon to that offense may not be the worst thing in the world for Derek Carr either.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think those are a lot of interesting fits. Um, I know some of the places he's visited, we didn't really talk about, but giants, come on. I don't. I don't think I mean who knows the Giants you never say never um like he probably looked at what Brian Dayball did for Stefan Diggs and was like oh that's intriguing and That's fair. I, I think just that more
0: comes down to what their plan is for the future at the quarterback position more than anything.
1: And I was about to say I don't think Daniel Jones is probably the kind of guy that you know OBJ's dying to go play for um so I I think that would be the one downside to that team. I don't think the Saints make any sense. No. Um, not at all you want to talk about a wide receiver room he'd get lost in.
0: Yeah. There's Michael Thomas coming back. Still Olave Jarvis Landry.
1: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of dudes in there already, you know? Um, so that would get muddy really quick. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm just curious to see how the situation plays out. Um, ultimately I think Buffalo is the favorite. I think, uh, uh Von Miller has probably been recruiting him as hard as possibly uh as hard as he can, you know, trying yeah. to get him to to sign back up and and make another Super Bowl push. And if he's truly ring chasing, you know what I mean, like that's a team that makes sense, you know, Buffalo yeah. Kansas City. So Yeah. 100%. We'll we'll watch and see how that plays out. Um looping back around to the Panthers. This is the Panther episode right here. Uh mm-hmm. talking a lot about the Panthers, but um there's a lot of talks that teams are calling Carolina and seeing you know, what they're wanting to move off of and what's what assets are going to be for sale. I'm very curious to see if they end up having a giant fire sale and try to move as many pieces. Um, we're going to talk about their top three pieces and where we want to see them go. Um, we'll start out with Christian McCaffrey. Where do you want to see Christian McCaffrey at?
0: Um, I think we have the two obvious picks here. Um, yeah. high powered offenses that are in need of a number one running back, and they could also benefit from having a receiving heavy running back. I have the chiefs down as my number one pick. Um, Clyde Edward Slayer hasn't super lived up to the hype. Jet McKinnon's been solid, but they haven't been super comfortable hitting the full reins. Isaac Pacheco, the rookie has been decent here and there. I think Casey makes perfect sense. Gives them a, a, an obvious clear number one running back and probably still one of the better, if not the best receiving backs in the league. So you don't have to hand the ball to him 30 times. You know, you can, you can, give it to him 10 times on the ground, give it to him 10 times through the air. You can continue to have that pass heavy offense that they like to run with Patrick Mahomes. And I think it's a good fit.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a good chance that Christian McCaffrey could stay healthy in a situation like that too, yeah, right? Where it's not, not so much relying on him
0: again. Yeah. They have so many weapons in the pass game and they also have, like I said, some decent running backs that they'd be able to switch in and out and it doesn't affect the scheme a whole time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I had the Bills down. Uh, I know that's the team that was kind of making headlines because there there was talks that they had reached out to see if Christian McCaffrey was going to be available. Um, they've gotten some decent production at times out of Devin Singletary, but he hasn't been a consistent one. Zach Moss has kind of been hit or miss. Uh, James Cook has been not existent in that offense so far this year. Um,
0: he's, he's getting some more looks recently. The last two he weeks is, is his... His production's ramped up a little bit, but I think week one of the year kind of fumbling out on one carry. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't he have a second carry for a second fumble as well, or was it just the one?
1: I think he just had one, and I think okay. he dropped a pass. I think was the other thing he did that week, but it was something like that. Yeah.
0: So but- yeah, that's an obvious fit as well. Those two teams are parallel, or literally the exact same offense, the exact same team. They want to be pass heavy. They want a, a good running back that can do it through the air and he fits both offenses this oh, well.
1: Yeah. Next one we're gonna talk about is DJ Moore. Um
0: obviously I had I like your pick a lot. That's the the obvious fit as well. I have Baltimore down. Um as Ravens fan obviously I'd love to see it to bring an established one. I want Baltimore to just do what Philly did in the offseason. They're like, man, we just can't hit on a first round receiver. Let's just stop trying and let's just go trade for one. And I think yeah. DJ Moore would come in and and play well in that offense. He he hasn't been a guy with a super big head where you know he's wanting a ton of a ton of catches. He hasn't talked in the media about how terrible Baker Mayfield is, or he's not getting enough touches or anything like that. So I think he'd be okay to come in. And again, he's a, he's a playmaker. I think you get the ball in his hands, you let him go to work, and Baltimore is going to do that. You know they're going to give him the RPO looks and the short stuff where he can just kind of make things happen with his feet. I think it's a good fit. My other one, again, not not a team that I feel like is going to buy at the deadline, but a, again, a team that was like, hey, man, we have a young quarterback that's kind of struggling. Um, let's just spend five of our seven draft picks on defensive players, and And Byron Pringle is our number one add for our receiver room in the offseason. Not a great look. Um, I think if the Bears really want to see if Justin Fields is the guy or not, I think you kind of have to give him some options. You know, I think it's unfair to get through four or five years of you know, of his rookie contract and look at Justin Fields and say, You failed when his top options are Cole Komet and Darno Mooney. It's not not, not yeah. a fair look for Justin Fields, I think. And and um they finally scored a touchdown um in in the Thursday night game. But yeah. I just I, I feel like that's a team that should look at their young quarterback and be like, we're going to finally do you a solid after doing you wrong for so long. Maybe maybe we actually can write the ship a, a tad bit here.
1: Now, did you we were talking before the show? Did you say that the Ravens offered a second and a fourth for him already? Like, is that so, been do you know how legit that is or I
0: have zero idea how legit this is because I saw it on Twitter. So it could just be a fan just spitballing. But the offer that I saw was like Ben Powers, who's been a rotational piece on the offensive line at the guard spot for them. Um, James Prochet, who's supposed to have a really big year, but hasn't been super involved in the offense at the receiver role. And um, a second and a fourth, I want to say, or maybe a second and a fifth. And Carolina declined because they're steadfast on getting a first back for DJ Moore. Yeah. so, again, I have no idea how legitimate that is, but it sounds like a pretty damn good offer when you look at what they're possibly going to get elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I don't know um, what DJ Moore is going to draw. You know what I mean? I can't imagine it's a first, but, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised, you know. Yeah. And maybe maybe a team that's really competitive will throw out a first because they know it's going to be in the late 20s or potentially in the 30s, you know. Yeah, go
0: with, go with the Rams mindset. It just, yeah, man, it's gonna be it's going to be a bottom five pick in the first. We might as well just give it.
1: Give it right. Um, I put the Packers down. Uh, yeah, great he major. feels he feels like a guy who could bring some consistency to that offense. Um, you know he's not a flashy one where it's going to take away from Aaron Rodgers, and it might take a couple weeks for them to get on the same page. But Aaron Rodgers tends to elevate number one wide receivers, while Baker Mayfield has this tracker record of bringing down number one wide receivers. Yeah, uh, he struggled with OBJ. He's struggling with DJ Moore. Um. I think it's just too good of a fit. And if he's available, man, Green Bay better be on the phone trying to make a move. Like there better be some kind of aggression for this guy. Like yeah, if he agree. slips underneath their fingers, it's going to be a bad, bad look.
0: Yeah, if they're if they're steadfast on giving a second and a team, a contending team that would have that bottom five um pick goes out and gives up the first. I think Aaron Rodgers just kind of looks at the at the front office again. And it's like, what are we, come on. Like,
1: can we, we can we this? make, be a little bit aggressive here? Yeah. So. Did you
0: see the crazy stat about Aaron Rodgers and his, uh, his touchdowns thrown to first round picks? Have you seen that? Did you see that oh,
1: last weekend? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I didn't see it last week and I saw it when they drafted Jordan love. I, I remember them talking about it. So but, well, there
0: was that one, but there's also, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has over 500, um, passing touchdowns in his career. I like to get the exact number so I could really quantify what this is for him. But um, okay. Aaron Rodgers has thrown command. Give me the career. Where's the career stats? Why is this so difficult to find? That's my question. I'm, I'm going pulling it up the, right now. Give me, it's me one like, second. I'm going to the wrong. All the wrong like ESPN
1: is going to tell me his career numbers or anything. Uh, um, touchdowns, he's thrown 431. Okay,
0: so four hundred thirty-one, four hundred fifty, whatever. It's it's nearing five hundred. This last weekend, he threw a touchdown to was it Mercedes Lewis? Was it this last game? I want to say mm-hmm. is the only touchdown among the four hundred fifty some odd touchdowns that have ever been thrown to a, a a player that was taken in the first round.
1: Wow, he is the only thrown, one. Yeah,
0: this is the only pick. Devontae Adams wasn't a first round pick. Jordy Nelson wasn't. All these guys, even the one-off guys that have come in, like that have played a year or two with Aaron Rodgers. He's never thrown a touchdown to a first-round pick except for this week.
1: Yeah, which Mercedes is Lewis. Yeah, was insanity. Was, that's crazy. That's that is absolutely
0: nuts. nuts. That to me is the bigger issue than they haven't taken a skill player in the first round since Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Like that stat is nuts. Like they haven't even traded for a guy that's gotten in the first round to come in and catch a touchdown for him. Now, again, that stat is kind of misleading. Cause you look at Devontae Adams, like this guy's the best receiver in the league, but he wasn't drafted in the first round, right? Like he was the, the second or third option to,
1: to yeah. James,
0: to Ra- Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson when he first got drafted. So yeah, this is a team that again, take the Eagles method, man, just, just trade a first form instead of trying to draft one.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's not a bad theory. They really they really need to get aggressive, but no, I, I wish they would add I hope they add something. If DJ Moore is truly available, I hope they they go out and add something for him. Um next player we're gonna talk about is Brian Burns. Mm. Little pass rush.
0: Again, a guy I'd love to have in Baltimore. Um the pass rush hasn't been terrible for Baltimore. Odafe always had a really good year. Going into week five, he led the league in pressures, albeit just two sacks so far. Um, Baltimore is like dead last or bottom three in passing yards allowed through five games. And it's not all in the pass rush, but it never hurts to add another edge rusher, right? Like the secondary has been getting torched. If you can get to the quarterback a half a second or a second faster, it completely changes what your defense could do. Brian Burns is an all pro, Pro probable pass rusher. Baltimore seems like a good fit in a team that would buy at the deadline. Um, because they know that they can lose that first round or second round pick and go get a guy that's better in the third or the fourth. I mean, they, they draft so well that they, I think they would be okay. The only thing with Baltimore is I don't think they're going to give up their first rounder for nothing because they they feel like they can go get the all pro guy in the first. Um, the Jets was the other team I had down. Again, maybe not a team that would buy at the deadline, but they're kind of overachieving. They're they're playing some really good football. Zach Wilson's looked good. The offense has looked good. And defensively, they've added some pieces, right? I like Sauce Gardner. I like a lot of the guys that they have in their linebacking when in their secondary. They have Carl Lawson on the defensive line, who I think would probably be one of the better secondary options as a pass rusher. I think you bring Brian Burns into this defensive line and this edge rush, and I think it completely opens things up. If nothing else, Brian Burns is a guy that's getting double teamed and Carl Lawson could go absolutely nuts on the other side of the field. Um, so that was one of them. And then the Lions, again, kind of the same thing. Aiden Hutchinson's on the other side. Feels like he could really have some big games if he had a guy that was drawing attention on the other side of the defensive line away from
1: him. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many of those teams are going to be buyers. I'm curious to see, like um, what Brian Burns would even get moved for. He's kind of an odd piece. You know what I mean? Christian, I think he's on an
0: expiring deal as well, which well, muddies yeah. things as well. Cause it takes out the teams that are in, in, in a cap situation, whereas DJ Moore just signed an extension last year, if not the year before. So it gives you a little bit of freedom. You don't have to worry about trying to pay a guy right out the gate. And he's kind of, you know, the team's going to have to eat some dead money. He'll be a little bit cheaper. Whereas Burns, you're going to have to come out and pay and probably pay a decent amount of money. Um, for for as fast and as young as an edge rusher as he is
1: is yeah, um I've got the Dolphins man uh, another great pick like I felt like all mine I was like damn I
0: was like Tip gotta nailed this so I was kind of picking at straws but go ahead.
1: I, I think the dolphins are really like that one more piece away, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like the Rams are with when they like added Von Miller.
0: Yeah. I was like, the, this could be their Von Miller kind of pick, pick up. This could
1: be, yeah, this could be the difference in those close games where Brian Burns is getting off the edge and adding pressure in those fourth down or, you know, the late in the game moments where right now they really don't have much of a pass rush at all. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good secondary play, but just no, no ability to, to rush the passer. So, um, I thought that's the good fit. The biggest thing I'm going to say from this whole, this whole thing, I hope we see a team do this because you see it all the time in baseball. You see it all the time in basketball. Mm-hmm. We've never really seen a team just blow it up at the trade deadline, right? Like, yeah, or, They've or got kind some
0: of really good young talent. Like even the guys we didn't talk about, like Dante Jackson's been a guy that's been talked about being moved out of their secondaries, their top corner, their second corner option behind JC Horn. And again, I get you don't want to maybe blow up the whole thing, right? You're getting rid of some expiring contracts, an injury-laden running back. DJ Moore is just not super happy and is not producing because you don't have your number one quarterback. But like, if they were to move off Jeremy Chin and or yeah. J.C. Horn, man, you want to talk about the returns that you could get for some of those young guys could really kind of set you up to hopefully go find the quarterback that you need and, and start to get some pieces in to really – To build a dynasty, not just a team that can win ten games twice and then be back in the cellar.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think they move. Like JC Horn is too young of a piece to try to move off of at this point. I would agree. Um, It would have to be a really
0: crazy deal for them to to go do it.
1: Yeah, if you're gonna yeah, if you're gonna move off of like you're, if you're going to rebuild, you want to keep your young pieces who can develop into more. So the rookie contracts, yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't want to move off a guy like like a JC Horn. I kind of doubt that's somebody they'd move off of, but um uh yeah, no, I hope I hope we see a team do this. I just think it'd be really fascinating to watch and it would add kind of into that entertainment level uh, of the NFL. Um
0: Yeah, I think the only thing that stops it is and I think the thing that will stop it is Them wanting too much back in all those deals. Like and
1: and there's a chance. We could get to week
0: nine and the Panthers decided to not move off of anybody because they wanted a first back for all three of these guys.
1: All three of these guys. But I mean, and that's part of what makes them interesting is they have some cornerstone pieces. They have guys that could be really interesting. You know what I mean? Game changers if they were to get moved. And that's because uh, you know it, the NFL trade deadline. Mohamed Sanu gets moved, and that's like a big. You know, that's a big yeah. move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, people the big are like, "Oh, usually like
0: the old linemen
1: that yeah <laughs> that come through." Yeah, teams just die and dump a guy and they move off of him or something like that. It's never. Never anybody that makes you go, oh, wow. You know what I mean? So um, you ready for uh, pump the brakes there, pal? Bring it on. All right. First one I got for you. Sean Payton could be coaching the Saints again.
0: I don't think this is crazy. Um, I feel like it's kind of a slap in the face to Dennis Allen, <laughs> uh, the guy that's our head coach now after getting the job a year ago. But with how how much he's kind of clamoring to get back on the football field, how much it's clamoring that teams want him to be their head coach going forward. I don't think it's a crazy thing to see at all. Um, it'll be, it's going to be really interesting, but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Possibilities.
1: Um. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. Reed gave me this one. Uh, yeah, Cause we were, we'll take it. we were talking about the, Carolina Panthers and, you know, this move for Sean Payton. And we were both talking like, you know, it's very unlikely that he gets moved within division. Um, And I said, if he did, it would be for a crazy price, right? Yeah, it's going to have to be. And he was like, I think he could coach the Saints again. I was like, that's a really interesting. I'm like, man, he could. Like if Dennis Allen has a bad season, I could see him firing Dennis Allen and then moving Peyton. And I think Peyton coaches next year for sure. 100% um, he has to. Yeah, I think I think he's a coach somewhere. I don't know where um, I, he either gets moved or maybe he does come back for the Saints, but he's definitely coach next year.
0: Yeah, 100%. All
1: right. Next one I got for you is the Steelers will have a losing record for the first time in Mike Tomlin's coaching career.
0: Now, this is I'm not I'm not even touching the brakes. Um, I think this will happen. And I think I think it's a long time coming. I think the real issue here, like I said, I think it's going to happen. I'm not pumping the brakes at all. Is that Steelers fans don't really care about the stat, um, because the Steelers of old, you know, before the 2000s, and even with Bill Cowher in the early 2000s, early 2010s, was like we're winning Super Bowls, right? Like this is a team that has the second or third most Super Bowls for a franchise in in the NFL's history. This is a team that wants to compete for Super Bowls, not compete for winning seasons, right? I mean, Yeah. I the first time when I heard somebody talk about this, I was like, well, that's a really good point. Like and I especially when I hear Steelers fans talk about it like they don't really feel like it matters. Like, I mean, cuz he's never had a losing season, but in two if not three of these years where he had winning seasons or non-losing seasons, they didn't make the playoffs. What the yeah. hell is it? What what good is a winning season if you're not playing for thinking- a Lombardi trophy come the end of the year, you
1: know? No, it, it it's an interesting. I mean, it's good to stay relevant, right? Like I think that that has to matter to some degree, you know what I mean? You want to you want to be in a position where you feel like hey, you know, you're we doing matter. Something,
0: right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're doing something, we're taking the right steps, but I don't know. I think this team is in just such a weird spot. I feel really bad for Kenny Pickett cuz I don't think they could have given him a worse stretch to try to take over this team and start winning for them. Yeah. Um, Obviously tough loss to the bills last week. Big blow out there. You ready for this stretch here? They go Buccaneers, Dolphins, Eagles, Saints uh, are their next four right there. That's, that's a tough four game stretch
0: because <laughs> they're that facing is, a high powered defense or a high powered offense in every hands. single one of those games. And they're playing both in mm-hmm. a couple of them. So, yeah.
1: So that's, I feel bad. Like I really do. So yeah, they they might struggle in the middle here. They might go on a four game loser and be, you know, like, I, I mean, if they come out with one win here and they're like, you know, two and seven, I think that might be the best case scenario for them, which is crazy to say.
0: Yeah, it is. And I've, I've, like I said, I've kind of tapered back on this take a while, uh, a little bit, but I, I still think it's true to some degree. I don't think Mike Tomlin is this crazy great head coach in the sense of how we should look at head coaches. If that makes sense, right? He is the second most tenured head coach in the in the league behind Bill Belichick,
1: hmm.
0: but he he's a player manager, right? He's he he held somehow Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and uh, Ben Roethlisberger were. One of the better offenses in of the league for three years. And we've seen how all three of those guys I mean, Ben has had his longstanding issues on and off the field. AB has gone absolutely off the deep end. Um, and Le'Veon Bell is out of the league. And he had those guys playing as the best running back, the best receiver, and a top five, top 10 quarterback at one point. So he's yeah. a really good player manager. And, and I don't want to say he's a bad head coach by any stretch, but I feel like he kind of inherited a lot of talent. And was able to do well with what he had, but I feel like they haven't really done a ton to bring a ton of guys in. If that makes sense, um, yeah, they've they've kind of blatantly ignored a lot of needs to bring in some flashier guys. They were able to trade for Mika Fitzpatrick, that was huge, right? They drafted T.J. Watt and whatnot, but I don't know. I, I've I've never been super hundred percent sold on the fact that, like, I feel like we always talk about this guy's a really good offensive coach. This guy just does like Andy Reid's the quarterback whisper, or, you know, um, his, his defensive coordinator just got fired from him. Brian Flores. Brian yeah. Flores is a great defensive kid. Sean McVay, all these guys, we talk about what they bring to their team schematically. And for, for Tomlin, we're like, he's just a player's coach. People like to play for him and all these things. I don't know. It's just, it, it's a weird spot for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Tomlin, I mean, that first Super Bowl was definitely, you know, he, he re-energized the team. But yeah, I mean, outside of that year with those three, like they really haven't been a super relevant team in, in making late playoff pushes. Um, yeah. I think he's going to have a little bit of slack just because Kenny Pickett's in his rookie year, right? Like they're yeah. transitioning. He's not off on the hot seat. No, <laughs> no. But I
0: think they could they could finish the year with four wins this year and four wins next year. I still. Interesting. I don't I don't I wouldn't say he's not on the hot seat, right? But like he's not in a Matt Rule situation, right? Where it's like he's gonna get canned in the middle of the year. I think it's gonna take two or three really bad years for them to kind of turn off of him. And the only yeah. thing that would speed that process up is if they really feel like Brian Flores, if they want to keep Brian Flores and make him the next head coach, would be the only thing that expedites that process at that point. Because that's Steelers say. football. That is yeah. the steel curtain. That is what Pittsburgh is supposed to be, is this heralded defensive team that is going to that is just going to jam you on the other side of the field and their offense is going to do whatever because they have the freedom to they're going to hold you to 14 points they can run the ball they can throw the ball doesn't matter because you're not going to be able to score and i think brian flores is the perfect guy to do that i was terrified when he got hired to that staff and i don't know but i don't like i said it's not like he's on the hot seat even if they even if they don't win a game the rest of the year I think there's a zero percent chance he gets fired this offseason. season. They win. They they go one in sixteen. Zero percent chance he gets fired.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think they get fired this. I don't think he gets fired this year. I think you know if he has a bad season, I think he could be one of those guys that people are are keeping their eye on for sure.
0: He's the second uh, longest tenured head coach in the league for a reason, right? And he yeah. would immediately get hired if Mike Tomlin were to be fired this off season. He would be coaching next year on an NFL field as a head coach, no doubt.
1: I was about to say, I think the biggest thing right now that is concerning is, uh, I mean, the Steelers just don't fire coaches is a big part of this, right? Like they keep coaches for a long, long, long time. So I think, I think that's part of it. I think you'd have to have two really bad years in a row before they'd even think about firing them. So agreed. hundred percent. Um, the Raiders are the most disappointing team this year.
0: This is tough. Um,
1: And I'm going to put like a so far on it, right? Like, yeah, obviously we're five games in. Um, Right. But some, some contenders for that list, just to give you some context would be maybe the Detroit Lions at one and four Carolina Panthers also at one and four would be um, the Steelers also at one and four. I think, I don't think, I think a lot of people were higher on them than this. So those, those would be my, my list of contenders for most disappointing team.
0: I think the Colts are the number one team that come to mind in contention for this. Um I think a lot of people were were like, well, they finished, you know, decent with Carson Wentz last year. The ninth ranked offense with Carson Wentz, you bring in Matt Ryan, right? And they were supposed to take a step forward and they've taken a drastic step back.
1: Yeah. Um, they're not out though. They're two, two and one. So Yeah, I'm not gonna They're not game gonna, out of the division.
0: I'm not gonna pump the brakes here because I think a lot of people were this division itself was extremely overhyped. I would say the Chargers but it's more just because their defense, their offense has been fine without Keenan Allen through five games. Um, I would, yeah, I'm not going to pump the brakes. I would, I would have to probably say the Raiders, because I was super excited, right? It's like you had the best receiver in the league. You had a super underrated pass rusher in, in Chandler Jones with Max Crosby coming off a career year. Um, And it's just, it hasn't hundred percent clicked yet, but I also think we need to start giving a little bit of slack to, some of these guys, I think, were really, really quick to judge. Even quarterbacks. Like, I don't think Baker Mayfield was supposed to come in and be a world breaker, right? Like, we're seeing Geno Smith have this career renaissance in Seattle, and I feel like we give up on guys a lot. Like, it's not easy for a guy to come over in the off season or midseason or whenever and just be like, hey, man, you've run this for the last four years. Here's what we're running, and it may not be what you're running halfway through the year because we may fire our head coach learn it and execute it to a perfect T and it's the same thing for a head coach. They got to come in and get 53 guys to come in and just buy into everything he's saying after listening to what John Gruden said for two years. And then what an interim coach said for 15 games and now they got to, you know, do everything different again.
1: I, I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, I agree with you for a couple of reasons and I disagree on other reasons here. Um, Let's, let's, let's handle the Josh McDaniels thing first. Right. Typically like Josh McDaniels and the Patriots struggle early on in the season. Right. Like that is a key note for us. We don't really get humming until like partway through the year. That is, we've
0: talked about that multiple times.
1: Yeah. And that is something that's pretty common when you run a complicated system like Josh McDaniel does. Right. Like it, it takes a while for people to get used to it, figure out how it works. Um, and, and then it takes a while for him to figure out how to best execute the pieces he has. Right. So yeah. I'm not super shocked that they're struggling this early on. Um, next thing I'll add there is you say that, like, you know, we're shocked that Baker Mayfield, we shouldn't be shocked that Baker Mayfield struggling. Um it's hard, right? Gino Smith is coming in and playing really well. Cooper Rush is coming in playing really well. Bailey Zappi. Yeah, Bailey Zappi came in for a game and looked really good, right? Like And he's a rookie. So, Davis Mills
0: had a really good year last year.
1: Yeah, Davis Mills. Like, there are guys who are are surprisingly good early on. So, when you're a veteran guy like a Baker Mayfield, it is disappointing, you know, when, when you underperform at that level, right? Like, we've seen what Baker can be, and I don't think it's super special, but it's not great. You know what I mean? It's not. Not game changer, but we've seen Carson Wentz come on the offenses like the Commanders or the Colts and pick it up pretty fast and elevate that team to, you know, I'm not saying a great offense, but a good offense where Baker's just yeah. terrible. So I don't know if I would defend Baker at all. Like, that's fair. I, I think this might be Baker's last shot, and I think he might have blown it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I think for the Raiders as well, like it hasn't all been bad. I don't know if anybody else to keep track, but Josh Jacobs is currently third in the league in rushing yards by Nick yeah. Chubb and Saquon Barkley. So. It hasn't been all terrible. He's come in and, and kind of unlocked what we saw from Josh Jacobs' rookie year and is now no one I feel like no one's talking about it. Um that the Josh Jacobs is currently third in the league in rushing yards, which is a guy that for for the longest time was a guy where like he's he's not good, like you're everybody kind of gets fooled. He had a really good rookie year, it's not a sustainable way of play, you know, whatever, 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 right? Josh McDaniels has turned Josh Jacobs into, through five weeks, a top five running back in the NFL. And yeah. albeit in a year where all the running backs have kind of stunk, to be fair, um, at least all the ones that you expected to be really good, because as of the top 10 rushers right now, Lamar Jackson is a top 10 rusher, Jeff Wilson, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, and Josh Jacobs are all names where I'm like, these guys should not be ahead of Dalvin Cook. And Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler Ezekiel Elliott Joe Mixon all these guys are below them. So, but still, I think having Josh Jacobs third in the league in rushing yards um, on on fifth in carries, it's not like he's out here getting fifty carries a game like Derrick Henry is. He's averaging five and a half a ground, five and a mm-hmm. half a carry on the ground. So, and it hasn't been all bad. But yeah, the Raiders have been disappointing overall.
1: Yeah, I agree, and and but Josh Jacobs is the kind of running back that the Patriots normally love. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah, he's that God ground pound. And pound. Yep. And, and they, pound. <laughs> people people always forget we love guys like that. I mean, I can go down the list and and name you a lot of them who were really good for us. Marshall Falk was really good for us. Um, Garrett Blunt had his two stints. Yeah, I was about to say, like Garrett Blunt. We he was one of those guys who liked to leave and then come back. Um Oh, gosh, now I'm blanking on everybody's name all of a sudden. But um, ramond Stevenson is our latest case of that, right? Like oh. having a really big game last game. But we love big guys. But moving on here, we got to we got to pick up the pace here a little bit. We're falling, falling behind where we like to be. Um, this is d- our sorry. The next one I got for you is the Vikings will make the playoffs this year.
0: I'm not pumping the brakes at all. I had this team finishing very well in our prediction episode. And um, they've they've played well. I think the fact that they're where they're, as long as they can avoid the primetime spot, they'll be fine. Um, right. just keep them like, off Sunday and Monday night football and they'll win games.
1: They got, they got one more prime. They've probably got two more primetime games. They got to get through man and they'll be okay. Like, yeah. like they are, they look good when they're not on primetime, but for some reason when they're on it, they look terrible. So, yep. Um, next one I got for you, this will be Dan Campbell's last season in Detroit.
0: This is tough. Um, I've seen a lot of Detroit fans sour on Dan Campbell through five games, which is about to, about super to say surprising.
1: You, you get on that side of Twitter or read what those beat writers are writing. And he is a really likable guy and a guy that people got behind for a long time, but they are turning fast on him. Is this his third year or second year? This is his second year. Yeah. I don't, I can't pump. I can't not pump
0: the brakes. Cause I think it might be. Uh, They've been known to to turn around head coaches pretty quickly, even if Jim Caldwell did not have a bad year when he was the head coach. His second year, he was not a bad head coach and they weren't a bad team and they fired him because for some reason, Detroit feels like despite not only being a bottomless pit of despair for football fans for the last 10, 20 years forever, they've never seen a Super Bowl. You know, They've never even been close to a Lombardi trophy. And for some reason – They have this expectation of like, we're going to hire this guy. And if we're not in the playoffs in two years, he's gone. And it's just not realistic at all. So I think we've seen more life out of the Detroit Lions in the last two years that I've probably ever seen as a football fan. Yeah. Because even when they were good with Jim Caldwell, they weren't exciting. They were just like, oh, they won seven games. Like, all right, cool. But like this team, we talked about this last week. We had the argument whether they were the best one in three football team last week. Yeah. I've never been able to talk about the Detroit Lions in a in a good light. So I get that Lions fans are sick of it, but man, I just don't understand. I get it. You want to win. You you're you're sick of being bad. I just don't understand how you can look at a guy that's gotten you closer than any other coach has gotten you in a two year time span and just turn on him like this. It doesn't make any sense to me. But at well, the same time,
1: you, go ahead. you can't you can't be a defensive head coach. And have one of the worst defenses in the league. Like that's just not a good. That's not a good look, right? Like the offense looks amazing, but he is that's not his side of the ball, right? Like,
0: I I can I can hundred percent agree with you on that point, but I don't know, man. Like, I just I feel like if this was his third year or his fourth, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you know, I can hundred percent. Again, I can't not pump the. I have to. I can't pump the brakes on this because despite what I think about him, it doesn't matter. It's about what Detroit's front office, their fan base and what they think about him. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I can't pump the brakes here. I would, if I was in their front office, I'd be like, listen, man, this is, we're, we're not playing great. Right. But like, I would now again, if, if new Orleans comes calling, they're like, Hey man, <laughs> I got Sean Payton and I'm willing to move him, you know, or, for you know, God, you know, whatever happens, Brian Flores, Mike Tomlin, one of these top, top coaching options comes available. And I'm not talking about an OC that's looking for his first shot to be a head coach. Like if mm-hmm. they had a chance of Brian Dable, you know, reset the clock and he was entering the market this year, I wouldn't move off Dan Campbell for Brian for for Brian Dable. I wouldn't. But again, a top head coaching candidate that has proven success as a head coach comes along, maybe. But I I don't see. I can't move off Dan Campbell at this point if I'm Detroit's front office.
1: Yeah. I mean, at some point too, you have to be worried about the reputation, your reputation with other coaches, right? Like if you're known, like, Hey, if you're bad two years in, we're going to fire you. Right. Like that has to matter somewhat to you, right. That you mm-hmm. don't want to be the team that moves off players too quickly. Right. Like you got to have some kind of balance there for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think and I love that you said if Brian Flores becomes available, he is available. Uh he definitely could be their head coach next year. Yeah, he's he's be, on
0: the he's on the Steelers staff, but
1: as a as a, a head coach assistant or something like that. But he's that like a defensive assistant or something like that. Not a not yeah. a coordinator even. They would release, they would let him go be a head coach again. There's no no doubt about that. But yeah. All right. Last one I got for you. Oh, excuse me. The NFC East will have at least two playoff teams this year.
0: I'm going to pump the brakes here. Whoa. Yeah, I am. Cause we know the Eagles are going to make it right. Like, yeah, I for think, sure. to be honest with you, I think the only way, like, again, I think we both had the Cowboys make the playoffs. I think he, they were my seven seed. They're your six seed. Um, but I'm, I'm sorry. Cowboys fans. I, like I said, I love you all to death, but I know this team has let you guys down plenty. They've, they've let me down a couple too many times. I mean, and again, Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott doesn't matter. Like, it just. It's, I think the reemergence of the 49ers now with with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I do think the Packers can get it turned around. Like, I just feel like there's too many contenders, not contenders, like playoff contenders in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Um, the Giants are 4 1 somehow, which, again, I, I guess this is that division, but I, I don't see them sustaining success. I feel like. If other teams start to turn it up, like, I mean, when I look at the playoffs and I had to predict who is going to make it right now, I think Tampa makes it, Minnesota makes it, the Eagles, the Cardinals and the Niners probably both make it. Did I say the Vikings already? Let me restart I, from the division. I don't think so. Uh, Vikings, I think the Packers make it. I think the Buccaneers, Yeah, you know, the Eagles, that's four. The Cardinals and the 49ers will both make it, I think. And that leaves one spot. And I'm betting for, you know, Dallas is in in contention for that spot, obviously. But Seattle is is playing well. I mean, Atlanta's lost a couple close games. Like, I, I don't know. I think there's just too many teams that are close. And the Cowboys have just let me down in too many spots where I can 100% like, just not pump the brakes here. I'm going to have to pump the brakes because I can't let the Cowboys do this to me again. Just can't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Um,
0: it's not out of the realm of possibility at all. Like It's definitely – it's yeah. probably going to happen, right? But I can't sit here and be like, yes, 100%. I trust Dallas to make the playoffs. I can't. just can't do it.
1: Well, and the interesting thing to me too is you have the ability – for uh what am I trying to say here? The Giants very well could sneak in there, right, as a wild card team. Like I don't think that's that's out of the possibility either. So, which is
0: absolutely insane. That you are like, yeah, two NFC East teams are going to make the playoffs, and one of them's not going to be Dallas. You are like Dallas, oh, right? <laughs> it, it's, oh,
1: whoa, <laughs> it's it's not crazy at all, right? Like yeah, I don't no. think it's I don't think it's nuts, but um, yeah, I did have I had the Cowboys actually winning the division somehow. Yeah, but so.
0: Yeah I, I don't,
1: I don't th- yeah, I don't yeah, I think I I I think two teams are going to make. It. I'm kind of shocked that you pumped the brakes on this one, but I definitely think uh definitely think two teams could could sneak in there for sure.
0: It's possible and probable, but I don't know. Yeah. Dallas has hurt me too many
1: times. I don't blame you. All right, we're going to dive into our bets of the week here. Um If you do have a problem, contact the Problem Gambling Helpline at 800-522-4700. Professionals available 24 hours a day to take your call. Help is available at no cost to the problem gambler or their concerned others. Um, Boy, another tough week for me. I am am not having very much fun gambling at the moment. Uh, I took the Jags minus seven and a half. That was a loss. Uh, Texans won that game. I had the Lions Patriots over. I, uh, for some reason was feeling hot on the Patriots offense with Bailey Zappi. Um, and I just thought Detroit's offense was going to be pretty good too, but, uh, 31 to nothing. Of course the Patriots shut out the, your defense you know, played too well for your yeah, to of course. There. Of course our defense shuts out a top five offense, right? Like why wouldn't we, it's the most Patriot thing ever. Um, so that one did not hit for me. I had bills versus Steels under 47 and a half that did hit. So that was a good feeling. Um, my one hit of the week. Um, I had Vikings minus seven and a half versus the bears. They won by exactly seven. So that was not a win nor a loss. That was just a, a white for me last week.
0: Yeah. Um, I went three and one last week, which again, I'm, I finally got my fan account set. So this is the week that I'll finally be able to put my money where my mouth is. And this will probably be my first 0 and four week as well. Um, fully prepared for that. But last week, three and one, I had the Niners minus six and a half versus Carolina. That one hit. Atlanta and Tampa Bay under 48 and a half that also hit Baltimore and Cincinnati under 48 and a half that one hit. And then the only miss last week for me was Philly and Arizona over 48 and a half, kind of a lower scoring game there. That one was my miss for the week. So
1: yeah, uh, I'm at five and 10 you're at six and six. So you're, you're back to even, which is good. Um, obviously my career as a professional gambler is not going to take off apparently, but you know, uh, didn't think it would, but Let's. Uh, you want to jump into our picks for for this next week? Yeah, let's get after it. Um, I'm probably just gonna. We'll probably just hit you all at once here. Um, I really like Vikings minus three and a half. I got this early in the week too. Um, I'm sure this line is gonna move. Yeah, I know I'm the shocked that it was that close. It is right. That's that's a nut line to me, especially with Skylar Thompson starting for the Dolphins. Skylar Thompson is a K State grad. Very familiar with his style of play. Um, I don't I don't love it. I don't I don't know how good it's gonna be in the NFL. But is uh, this
0: is this game on part time? Do we know? It is, is this a not, noon game.
1: No, this is yeah. this has gotta be a noon game. Vikings by 90. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Vikings, yeah, it's a noon game. Yeah. Um, so I really like that line. This is my least favorite bet of the week. I like Chiefs plus two and a half at home versus Buffalo. Um, I don't know who's gonna win this game, but my my gut Looked at this line and said, This is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he's been a home underdog. I'm
0: um, shocked that they are.
1: Yeah, I, I was blown away. I was like, I think you're getting a really good team plus the points at home. Um, that's why I like this. I think mm-hmm. it could be a very close game. I would have a ton of confidence if it was three or three and a half. 100%. But- I was <laughs>
0: like, if this is three and a half, slam it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but two and a half, I'm not so sure on. We'll we'll kind of see how that that ends up playing out for me. Uh, bucks versus Steelers under 43 and a half bucks. Offenses looked mediocre at best. Kenny Pickett coming into this game um, has looked OK, but not not special or great. So mm. I don't don't love that line there. Um, unders have been hitting like crazy. I don't know the exact percentage off the top of my head. It's more than 60% of the time gains have hit the under and not the over. Um, So I'm going to, you know, keep my eye out. Normally Vegas does adjust though. So just be, be ready for that. Uh, That, that line very well could change very quickly here. Um, The next one I got is Cardinals versus Seahawks under 51 and a half. I looked at this line and I was blown away. I was like, high line. That's a high line for two teams that I cannot trust offensively. Right? Like, I don't know what. The Arizona is going to be any given week. I don't know what Seattle is going to be any given week. So,
0: Arizona couldn't hit the over with Philly last week. I don't know. And this one's three points higher than it was last week. And Gino Smith's been playing great. I'm not going to, like I said, I gave him the praise earlier. I'm not going to dog on it at all. Come on now. 51. Come on.
1: It's yeah, a little that's too a, high. And that's also a it's a big number.
0: It's a division game. Yeah. I'll tell you that more often than not, whether wherever the line sits, division game unders are 10 times more likely to hit the division games over. That, that was definitely a pick that I was – usually my, my formula is I go, and I'm like, how many division games do we got this week? What what are the lines looking like for the division games? Because that's my easiest bet is a division game under. They are just – they're gritty, tough wins like Baltimore, and since he was last week. I took Atlanta and Tampa Bay under last week as well, and they both hit. Um, So that was a good one. I'm going to start mine off as well with a, a division game under. Jacksonville and uh, Indianapolis under 41 and a half. The line is low. Um, I'm not feeling super duper confident about it, but Indy's offense has struggled. I don't feel like Jacksonville can go out and hang 42 or even 35 really on a, a Colts defense. That's been playing pretty well, despite how often they've been on the field, but it's a division game under. I, I feel like they're, they're usually the safer bets. Um, so that's my first bet. I have San Francisco minus five and a half versus Atlanta. Uh, I took the the Niners minus six and a half versus Carolina last week. They didn't do me wrong. They're back playing another NFC South team with an offense that has looked okay, but their quarterback is still kind of a question mark. Marcus Moniot has been playing okay, but are you going to bet on that being a long-term thing? I'm not. I'll take San Francisco at minus five and a half pretty easily. I have the Jets plus seven versus the Packers. Um, I remember last week I started with the Giants' money line against the Packers, and I backed it off because I didn't know if Daniel Jones was going to play. I should have kept it. It would have been a smash. But I'm pretty sure uh, I, I replaced it with the 49ers pick, which still hit. So I, I still would have went 3-1 regardless. Um, the only thing I don't like about this game really is that a lot of people are talking about the Jets having a chance to win, which makes me think Aaron Rodgers is going to go throw five touchdowns and they're going to destroy the Jets. But. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of the even lines where like you had last week that was minus seven. This one's plus seven. I like the halves. Give me a little bit of wiggle room there. Um, But the Jets are playing good football and the Packers aren't. And you know, if it, this feels like this will be my shove this week, I'll probably go white on this one. Just like you did with the Vikings and the bears last week. But mm-hmm. I don't know. The Jets are playing good football. And then uh another division game under I have Denver and the chargers under 45 and a half. Um, Chargers defense hasn't been playing great. The Broncos offense hasn't been playing great. Uh, I think the thing that busts this is if the Chargers can go out and hang 35 on the Broncos. I don't see that happening either because the Broncos defense has been playing extremely great. The other division game under feels like a safer bet. That's what I'm running with. So I've got another two two division game uh, unders this week, betting on the Niners again, and I'm betting against the Packers <laughs> again. So kind of almost kind of a, a creepy double repeat for me on most of my picks, but it's okay with me.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, it's some good bets. You know, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, man, hopefully I can turn this around. I am I'm on the struggle bus, and I do not plan on staying there. But
0: I'd love to hit a three and one and go positive this week again. Because I mean, go two and two. I'm still at eight and eight overall, but I'd really like to be green for one time this year, outside of week one. So you
1: have to you have to hit sixty percent to be a professional gambler. So it's true. Who knows? Maybe you'll find your your calling. You know, never know. Maybe.
0: It's, it's pretty simple. Like I said, it's pretty simple for me. They're just bet division game unders. And if the, the Niners are under a touchdown to a team that has a strong quarterback, take it.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, not too much time left in the show. We're going to try to fly through these week six proofs here. Um, jets Packers is an interesting one. Um, Packers coming off, uh, of some couple disappointing games, the jets coming in kind of hot to this game. Yep. Um, it might be a weird one where we talk about, you know, hey, this pushed this team over the edge, or this this gave the Jets the confidence to be a wild card team. Uh, I think it's my sneaky good game of the week. I don't know if I'm going to stand up on a soapbox and say it's going to be a great game. It very well could be a good game. It very well could be a bad game. Um, yeah. Yeah. You have any I thoughts on that game?
0: I agree with you. Um, because the the Giants game was exciting last week. I mean, Brian Dable let a comeback win against Aaron Rodgers, the king of the comebacks, last week in London. Um. And like you said, Jets playing hot the Packers aren't. It's this feels like it could be a a sneaky good game of the week. I a hundred percent agree with you.
1: Um, Jaguars versus Colts. Uh, any AFC West divisional game is going to pretty much matter for the most part. Um, I, besides the Texans, uh, right now, all three of those teams are kind of close in there. Uh, Colts have some confidence, you know, beating the, beating the chiefs and then kind of a disappointing loss is the way I'm going to describe it to Denver. Um, they lost to Denver right now. I'm questioning no, they, myself. They beat Denver. They, they beat Denver. A, right. It
0: was an ugly win 12 to nine, but they nine. lost to the Titans the weekend between those two games. The,
1: okay. There we go. I was like, man, they, they lost the game. They shouldn't have lost, but yeah, that's, they lost to the Titans, but coming off a of beating two better talented teams than they are. So, uh, and the Jaguars, man, they had a disappointing week last week. So, um, it, it just something to keep your eye on. Uh, every single one of these divisional games could push one team to first place versus second place. And it could be the difference between making the playoffs for
0: them. Yeah. um, I mean, the Colts have not beat the Jaguars at home. And uh, I'm going to try to try to skim through the list here. That's another Jags win. That's another Jags win. Where's the Jags home though? The last time the Colts beat the Jaguars at home was
1: 2014.
0: Damn. Uh, let me let me run through. That sounds way too far back at this point, but let me double check here. Jags win. Jags win. Jags win. Jags win. Yeah, the last time that the Colts went into Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars was September 21st of 2014. They beat them 44 to 17. Other than that. The Jags have racked up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight wins at home versus the Colts, including remember the last one that stung the most the 24 nothing shutout that kept the Colts out of the playoffs last year. So it's definitely going to be a really good game. Should
1: be. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be. It's always entertaining when those two teams play each other. Um, Next, we have Vikings Dolphins. Uh, if Skyler Thompson can pull out a win here, I think that'll keep the Dolphins, you know, in a good spot relatively until Tua can come back. And the Vikings want to stay hot, right? They move on to five and one. Uh, it, it could be it could set them up for success down the road.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, the Vikings are trying to continue to win games that they should win. The Dolphins are trying to sneak a couple and stay in a good standing when they get Tua back healthy. Uh, this could be a, a really exciting game offensively Skylar Thompson had a great preseason. It doesn't, it it usually doesn't mean anything when you get to the regular season, but it's not like this kid is, you know, played super bad in the preseason and had a bad, a super bad outing last week. It wasn't great, but it's going to be curious to see nonetheless uh, for more for Vikings fans. they got to make sure they, they got to guard the letdown this week.
1: Week Um, next game. I got Ravens versus giants here. Obviously the Ravens are fighting in the AFC North for every division spot they get the giants, man, they're in a good spot here. This is a, this is a game to show that, Hey, we're for real, right? They, they went out, they beat the Packers. Can they, can they go out and beat another playoff level team in the Ravens this week?
0: Yeah. Um, so wink Martindale revenge game is the new DC. of The giants is longstanding defensive coordinator for the, the Baltimore Ravens as well. Um, he's, he talked about it in the media this week. Him and John Harbaugh are still extremely close, uh considers him and John Harbaugh like family so there's 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 a little bit of personal stuff tied up in this one as well but like you said the Ravens again trying to go out and and take a commanding division lead they have the division lead right now uh trying to go out and beat a a four and one Giants team that is surging I think the thing that bodes well is that the Ravens past defense has been terrible but it's been the run offense for the Giants that has really made them successful they haven't been a super pass heavy team so we got to see uh see what happens it's going to be I think it's going to be a good I think it's going to be a close one to be honest which breaks my heart to say as a Ravens fan but I don't think this is a super stomp game for Baltimore
1: yeah it could be it could be a really interesting one too um next game we got is Cardinals versus Seahawks here uh both coming off losses the previous week um Seahawks man they're fighting they're they're trying to prove we're a legit team and we can try to contend in this division and the cardinals are trying to not look disappointing uh, Is really what that comes down to so both teams are uh are are fighting for something here
0: yeah 100% um every division games matter especially in a division that's going to be that tightly contested by the end of the year we talked about the resurgence of the 49ers the uh the cardinals obviously know how dangerous they can be especially once they get de-hot back here in the next i think it's next week or the week after So they're trying to get a decent standing. When they do get him back, they can really kind of kick this thing up to another level. They want to be in a good spot, not fighting out of a hole. And like you said, Seahawks are playing well. They try to keep that going. They have a chance to make the playoffs at this moment in time. Um, They do. They have a chance at a division title at this moment in time. To be hundred percent honest with you, so they're just trying to to keep the shit moving right. Obviously, right this last loss that they had, but they're they're playing extremely good football as well. So.
1: I'm going to I'm going to lump these next two games in together here. Um, next two games we have on the list are Bills versus Chiefs. And uh, that's going to be like one of the three games that are going to be on at three o'clock. It's actually like a later start too; it doesn't start till three thirty. Um, so a lot of people will watch that one. And then you got Sunday Night Football Cowboys versus Eagles. Um, if we have to tell you why you should watch these two games, uh, you're not a football fan. You shouldn't be listening to this podcast. You can go ahead and turn us off whenever you want. Yeah.
0: I don't understand how you made it all the way through this if we need to sit here and tell you that these are two good football games. Um,
1: it's gonna two be... re- really exciting matchups against two really good football teams. So mm-hmm. that's those are two games you're going to want to watch.
0: Yeah. Super important division game for, and, and the two most high-powered offenses that also have super high-powered defenses going at each other in Arrowhead. So we'll see how uh, Patrick Mahomes... Um, plays is the first time he's been a home game underdog in his career. I think yeah. it's going to bode well for the chiefs to be honest, but bills aren't going to go down easy. So anything else you want to, you want to add before we get out of here?
1: That's all I got. Follow us on Twitter at piss warm takes
0: for Tim on Twitter at Owen underscore Burke B E R K on Twitter for myself. Hit us with any fan questions. Uh, if you guys have any, we'd love to answer them on the show anytime, any place. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's going to do it. Another great week of football. Some surprising upsets. Teams are playing well. Some teams aren't. We'll see how we're going. Rolling into week six. We're kind of getting to that that make or break year where it's like, are we going to have to dig ourselves out of a hole or are we just going to kind of keep doing what we're doing towards when we start getting towards the second half of the season, the playoff push. So that's going to do it here for episode six. We'll see you guys next week for Episode 7. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you guys next week.